Rolling. Renegades. Andre and I had this big idea. Nurses know how to solve shit. Renegades. I feel like I know a lot of what you're up to. What we don't know is who you are. Like, where did you, you know, how did you grow up? Where did you grow up? You know, what, like all of that stuff. And usually we try to like tease all of that out because it usually has a direct effect on why people went in, why people go into nursing or whatever the, you know, the career uh-huh. choice that they have. So it's always um, curious to know that stuff. Yeah. So tell us, who are you? Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Okay. A little bit about myself. What's your favorite color? Uh, We've never asked anyone what their favorite color is. I know, right? What is your yeah. favorite color? Favorite color is uh, blue. I like all shades of blue. Uh, <gasps> Me too. Blue, so teal, turquoise, mm. uh, dark blue, navy blue. I prefer the shades of blue that merge into green a little bit, like Me the too. gradients between blue and green. Me too. Yeah, I really like that color. Me too. I'm right there with you. <laughs> Me too. Where are you from? Yeah. So I was born in Zimbabwe, which is in Southern Africa. I lived there until I was nine. I moved to the U.S. Finished my my elementary school in the U.S., middle school, high school in SoCal, Southern California. And then I, uh, an empire, San Bernardino County, Uh San Bernardino Riverside County. So finished high school there. And then I worked a little bit. I did my LVN right after graduating. Licensed vocational nursing or my LPN in other states. Worked for a little bit as an as a licensed vocational nurse, and then, you know, I quickly realized that it was not enough to remain as an LVN, and so I got into nursing school in Northern California, uh, in Oakland, Holy Names University. So I did my LVN to BSN. Graduated there with uh, summa cum laude, highest honors. I went into Stanford for my nurse residency into oncology. So. I was there for about two and a half years or so, two, two and a half years, three years. And then I, a little bit of traveling, went to Europe for a little bit and then came back, went, went to Seattle, did oncology ICU, and then came back to Northern California. And uh, I've been there since doing inpatient telemetry. But right. I'll say like the last year that I left the bad side just because of the whole like the pandemic and everything going on, just the whole environment just changed. I was really stressful. Uh, all the outlets I had to de-stress. I, I'm an avid traveler and I also go to the gym a lot. So the airports were closed and the gyms were closed, you know, and so the, the type of nursing pressure that I used to be able to handle just fine, I no longer had the outlets that I would resort to. And so it just became too much. And like the whole morale was just down. I, I can't imagine how it is now because I left bedside Last year, no, not even last year, it was uh, 2020 November, you know, and from what I've been seeing, like the whole morale has just been going downwards, you know, so, so I can't imagine how the best nurses are feeling right now. Oh, so we need, since we need, uh, we need to, we need to talk about that more because I think that is such a really, Karen and I were just talking about this, like, what are the reasons why the healthcare system is falling apart? But that being said, because I happen to just jump right in. I yeah, well, can, can I? Yeah, can I ask just a couple? Just going back to a couple things that you just said in that. 
Why did you leave Zimbabwe? Well, I left with my family, my uh, parents, so I didn't really have a choice. <laughs> so my uh, family is really big into education. So my parents wanted to pursue their graduate level degrees. And so my father finished his PhD and then my mother, she finished her master's and then subsequently finished her PhD as well. So they came so to we, the yeah. States to do that, to further their education? Exactly. Gotcha. What, and what do they have PhDs in? They have PhDs in counseling, actually, oh. both. And my mother, uh, she finished from MFT, Master's in Family Therapy. Oh, so you don't need uh, my therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then she uh, also, and then she's getting, well, she got her PhD uh, in psychology, actually, in psychology. So. Okay. And your dad? So, yeah. Uh, it was also in uh, counseling. Oh, nice. Now, did you know when you graduated from high school that you wanted to be a nurse? So I had some family members already talking to me about it, about pursuing nursing. I wasn't really, really sold on it, but it was something that I kept thinking about. I do enjoy helping people. When I was in high school, I really enjoyed my biology class. I really, it was really fascinating to me how the the human body worked. Uh, the, the system that really fascinated me the most was the, the respiratory and the cardiac system, how the, um, how the exchange between those two systems, how we work together. So I found that to be really fascinating. Hmm. So as somebody who's uh, somewhat of an overachiever, um, I had always thought that if I pursued something in medicine, it would probably to become a physician. But the whole, uh, I also wanted to do film. I'm really into art. So I'm really an artistic person. I'm really creative. So I wanted to do film and media arts. So I was like, okay, well, what's the best of both worlds? I really enjoy biology. I like helping people, but I still want to have the flexibility to, to pursue my creative passions as well. And so nursing seemed to be a really good fit with the flexibility that nursing offers. I figured, you know, I'll work as a nurse until I get my big break or, you know, or, or just do something art related on the side. Whereas as a, as a physician, I would have wanted to be cardiothoracic, cardiothoracic surgeon. And, you know, that takes a lot of time, a lot of yeah. dedication. Not, um, not a whole lot of time for artistic endeavors. Exactly. When you're doing yeah. Exactly. So I, I realized early on that I really wanted to have something that would allow me the, the opportunity to have a work-life balance. Yeah. It's and one so of those, like, nursing's a good work to live career. When a lot of other careers like, you know, cardiothoracic surgeon, is, is more live to work. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you work in order to live and it's like the, that's the life of work. But I'm gonna, so there's so much about you that we're excited to, for everybody to hear and share. And there's something really unique. This is how I think speaking of <laughs> being, being creative, but sometimes it gets in the way of trying to have a linear conversation you'll understand. There's something about what we want to share about you and how you see the world that often becomes apparent about people when, how old are you? 33, just turned 33. Uh, okay, 33. Enough, certainly enough. You've seen, traveled, you know, done enough that the answer to this question may have something to do with how you see the world now, but we, we ask it in some form of this way. Is there a time in your 30, is there something that happened in your 33 years 
that you can remember that made everything look different from one day to the next? Made everything look different. For me, I call it my puddle of snot and tears moment when I was surrendered, <laughs> surrendered her down the floor of my master bedroom closet. And I think we have lots of them in our life. And I know, I know Antra's had a couple of them in, in the last couple of years, but definitely. anything come to mind? Yes, uh, definitely. Uh, I'll say around 2011, something monumental did take place. My, my grandmother passed away. So this was the first death that was really close to me that I really felt uh, very, very internally. And, and I couldn't be there at the time. She was in Africa. So at that time, it was really hard for me to, to stop what I'm doing and uh, go there and be there for her. And so, you know, it, it uh, felt ironic a little bit that here I am, already a nurse, um, still in school to, to get my RN, you know. And so, you know, but I couldn't provide to her the services that I would have loved to. I, I was not able to provide the type of attention, the type of care that I would have wanted her to receive and so since I wasn't able to provide it to her I from that point on I made it my mission that every patient I have I'll I'll treat them as if it's my own family mm -hmm. and so throughout my career I've, I've had patients uh, tell me that how my side mannerisms my demeanor the attention that I that I give towards them that they they can tell that this is not just a job. This is not just something I'm just doing just to earn a paycheck. So, That's such a, so like, been... such a, such a, like, to me, the way that you describe that is just so big hearted. Like I can just tell that you are probably at the bedside, very connected and present for your patients. And I also love like, I don't even know if that's how you're saying it or if it's just you, but family seems to be really important. And I like that too. Like, is that, is that true? Cause it just feels like it. Exactly. De like definitely. You're, you're talking about your grandmother and you're 33. Like, you know, that's just so to me, you don't hear that very often actually. So, you know, I, I it just seems true. Yeah, and for those of you who are just listening to this, uh, there's a there's a radiance. <laughs> there's just like this warm, cozy feeling about this man we're talking to. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, that's part of it. Just this really big heartedness. Would you say that you do you feel like that is true? Yes, I do believe it's true. I do feel it's true, and I've received the same compliments from my patients as well you, you know like especially when i was at stanford my my first r my first position as an rn i would go it was almost daily where i would go on facebook and just post i love my patients i would literally say i love my patients and i'm so grateful you know i mean it was like you know it was like the my most talked about topic for like for like three years in a row you know, so I, I really do connect with my patients. I, I still do connect with my patients. I mean, that's the other I, thing too. Like what nurse says, I love my patients or I love you. You're my, you know, like, that's just like, like we might as well just nurses, you know, by and large, right. We go into nursing because we care about people and we want to help people. But like, why don't you just get it all out there? Like, just say it. Cause that's awesome. 
Thank you. Yeah, it's 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 been really it's been really amazing. I've had patients add me on Facebook uh, and connect with me. I've had patients uh, give me their phone numbers. I even had a patient from Latin American country who connected with me, and you know they they heard that I love to travel, and so they had they had one of their family members host me just just because of of the connection that they felt towards me. Oh, you know, wow. so it's 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 been a really you know it's it's been a really special. Uh, a really special journey and um, we're gonna we're gonna because this is gonna be i know this is gonna be a theme so we'll stick a pin in that part tell us about tell everybody us again but tell everybody about the history and development of nurse brain so nurse brain is an application that nurses can use to plan their shift um, during their shift to organize their workflow it's also an app that they can use to give handoff reports at the end of their shift. Um, okay, before that, before that. Uh, okay. So Why? Why did it, how did it come about? What were you doing? Tell us the story. Yeah, is this, and is this the piece that like, you know, you said you love art and film. So is, is this that, or are you doing something else artistically and film wise? And then there's also this, like, because it feels like you took your two passions and you merged them. Definitely, definitely. That's a very accurate observation. So I've, I've always had an interest in technology and design. I was uh, I was editing videos for my middle school, you know, using Adobe Premiere. I was volunteering at the local PBS station, working the, the cameras and doing the lights. So I even had my own t-shirt company with my twin brother, which got featured in uh, a popular mainstream magazine. So I've, I've always had this, um, this, this artistic side to myself as well. And so... Uh, so nurse brain began in 2019. I had just uh, left Seattle from the oncology ICU and so I moved back to California. I got a position in telemetry unit. And so I had to create my brain chip in order to organize my workflow since it was a new, uh, a new department for me. I was going to have four patients versus two patients. So it was really important that I, I really organize my workflow and, and be able to Stay on track of my uh, tasks and, and my patients, and so and so while I was creating this brain sheet or this uh, nursing report sheet, I um, you know, I, I just started thinking to myself, you know, why am I using paper still? It's 2019, you know, why am I having to write this down when we have uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence, we have uh, cryptocurrency, blockchain, you know, there, there's all this uh, this revolutionary technology, and we're still using paper. Can you tell, because we're, we're all nurses, so we know it, a brain, you know, that's the, the slang term, my brain, where's my brain? Tell, tell for people who might be listening to this and who aren't nurses, or even doctors, because I don't know if they, they use brains, but what is a brain? You said so workflow sheet, so tell yeah. us What's a little bit more. Brain? Exactly. So a brain is a piece of paper that the nurse organizes and customizes in a way that makes sense to them, and then they use this piece of paper to write down notes during their shift, to write down reminders uh, to do this, to write information about their patient that they want to then uh, refer to later. Either they can refer to it for the purposes of uh, documentation on the actual chart on the, on the EMR or the EHR, or they can refer to it when they communicate to a doctor about their patient or communicate to other nurses or healthcare staff, especially uh, during the nursing handover where 
when the nurse is finishing their shift, it's the nursing nurse is coming in to take over that patient. Nurses usually refer to this nursing brain mm -hmm. to give an, an accurate summary of what needs to be done for that patient in order to, to maintain the continuity of care. Uh, and, to and, maintain. Yeah, and how, like I can remember like you would just write tiny little, little, little lines, you know, because you wanted to get all the information in there. And if you didn't use a pencil, well, you were just screwed. If you used a pencil, then it was like, okay, that's done. So you'd erase it. So it was basically a big, just cluster, you know, you know what, right? Like, exactly. It was, it was exactly. organized and it was a brain, but it wasn't a very good one. Yes, it wasn't really too organized. It was limited, of course, with paper you're limited to space, so you had to write very little. In my department, we had four patients, but I've heard of other departments where they have six patients. I think outside of California, you can go as high as 10. I've never worked outside of California, but some states don't have the, the mandated nursing ratios, nurse-to-patient ratios. So, you know, so you can imagine if you have, let's say you have five patients, you know, you're gonna to have to really prioritize what information you're gonna be putting onto that piece of paper. And you're gonna to have to write really, really small. If you make a mistake, you're not using a pencil, then you gotta cross it out or get some white out or, you know. And, white you know, out. <laughs> In 2019, you know, Samu, <laughs> white out. Exactly, right. <laughs> you know, and then it starts uh, getting really cluttered, really messy. And then you have a piece of shit, you have discharges, you have, you have emissions and then you know, it becomes really chaotic very, very quickly. I've had some shifts at work where by the time I was finished, I could barely read my own handwriting, you know, because that's how busy it was. And I felt really embarrassed giving a report because I'm trying to remember everything that happened. And I have this piece of paper that's supposed to be my brain. And I'm like, uh, you know, I can't even, you know, give a, a thorough report on the patients that I had taken care of, you know? And so that was really embarrassing. So, Not um, only embarrassing, but sets a nurse up for creating a medical error, like end of or you know end of shift report or handoff report or like I think that is one of the major major places where nurses can really like you know screw things up. Like that's where medical error happens. I think among among nurses because communication is so. Hand, yeah, handoffs. Handoffs, they're terrible. And I can't even, you know, I can think back to those handoffs in an operating room with that, you know, nurse brain in my hand, that piece of paper and wait, what, wait, I don't really remember what I wrote here. Wait, you know, you know, like it just was so fraught with problems all the time. So your, so your creative brain was looking at this and going, what am I doing? It's like 2019, why am I still writing this down? And you're, you're seeing the problems it could create and probably that, loving heart, you know, who wanted to treat patients like family also had something to, you know, some sort of motivation for you, like I could do better. So then what happened? Exactly. So, so it was actually the perfect timing. I, I'll say that everything aligned because earlier that year I had been, well, for a while leading up to that year, I wanted to learn how to code, you know, so I would take a class here and then, and then I would drop out. I just wasn't really feeling motivated. But now when I started my telemetry assignment, you know, now, you know, now I had something that I really cared about, something that was meaningful to me. So that really gave me the motivation to, to pick a class, stick to it and to come up with something. So, 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 so yeah, so, so while I was creating it on, I think I was using like Google Docs, uh, Microsoft Word to create 
my nursing brain, you know, I started to, you know, I started to think, okay, what's the best way of creating a nursing brain? So I started doing research, reading various articles on the best practices of, of, of proper nursing handover. And while I was reading the articles, I realized, like Andrew was saying, there's a lot of mistakes, there's a lot of errors that take place during that period, specifically during handovers. I believe there's a statistic saying up to 80% of communication failures occurred just during the handover period. Okay, um, and then also there's an, another well-known statistic how the third leading cause of deaths in the U.S. are related to medical errors. And of those medical errors, up to 50% of them are related to communication errors. You know, so, so. Okay, let's just say that again. That's a really, I think that's really worth repeating. It was to errors human published that medical error is up to the third leading cause of death. There have been things written since that refute that, but let's just say, because I don't care if it's third or fourth, the fact that it's such a huge leading cause of death and preventable death in this country is medical error. And 50% of those preventable deaths, your, your research revealed, were due to miscommunications at handoff. No, to just miscommunications. Just miscommunications. Okay. Exactly. That was one study. And then another study said up to 80% of miscommunications happened during the handoff. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, yeah. So there's a large amount of uh, miscommunication. Large, there's, there are many errors that take place due to uh, lack of uh, adequate communication. And so while I was doing my research, this is not, this is, this was something I didn't know about. I didn't really learn it in nursing school. I didn't, we didn't really talk about it during my nurse residency or my orientation at any of the new hospitals. And so I was really shocked when I discovered these alarming statistics. And so the whole idea of nurse training took on a whole new meaning. It wasn't just, let me just create this cool tool that I can use to be more organized. It was now more of like, wait a minute, there's really something that's not working here. You know, maybe I can use my abilities and my talents to really, to really fix this problem. And so, and so that's when the app took more of an evidence-based approach. So I started looking at the evidence and seeing, okay, so the, the issue we have here is, uh, is miscommunication. Or then I realized that it was actually, it was mostly due to a lack of standardized communication. Okay, so then what communication, how can we standardize communication? Okay, so you have SFAR, you have the variants of SFAR, like, like ESFAR, and then... Yeah, um, tell so, because just pretend you're not speaking to nurses. So what's SFAR? So SFAR is a communication framework. This framework was invented by, I believe it was the U.S. Navy, either in the 80s or the 90s, but it was first used in the healthcare field in the early 2000s, I believe 2002, more or less, by Kaiser Permanente in Colorado. So SFAR is a way of quickly communicating what needs to be done for a patient. So the S stands for situation, the B stands for background, the A stands for assessment, and the R stands for recommendation. So SFAR is a way of quickly and concisely communicating the status of the patient and what needs to be done for that patient. And by when practitioners, when nurses use the same standardized system like SFAR, that has been proven to reduce communication errors 
because they're all communicating in the same manner. Aha. So what's, you said that there were a number of them. Aspire is one? Yes, there's Aspire, and then there's variations of uh, is of Aspire. There's one, as there's ISPA also, which I-S-B-A-R. There's another one, I believe it's uh, Isobar, if I'm not mistaken. And there's another one that's totally not Aspire. Forget the name. It's not as... Uh, Soap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's, uh, there's another one. Um, I think there's a trademark to it. I, I a trademark to it. Exactly. There's another communication system. I just can't remember it. That's okay. Uh, it's it's not as common as that far though. But there's there's various ways of of communicating. I remember in nursing school we did learn about SFAR, but not it was not given the amount of attention it deserves, especially in light of um, the mistakes that are happening, in light of the medical errors that are happening and the, the alarming statistics. To be quite frank, you know, when you look at it, you know, in retrospect, it almost kind of seems obvious and common sense that if you have people not communicating in the same manner, you know, there's bound to be some, somewhere along the line, there's going to be some breakdown of uh, communication. The quality of communication won't be as high. If, if each person has their own way of communicating or they have their own system that they use to communicate. Yeah, it's it's like, how many languages do you speak? So... That's one of his uh, hobbies. Go ahead, say a little bit about that because I'm going to create a metaphor around it. <laughs> sure. Yeah, so currently I speak about seven languages, um, not all fluently, but at least um, at a basic conversational level. So I speak um, two African languages, which is uh, Shona, which is the main language in Zimbabwe. And then there's Ndevele, which is the other, the other language in Zimbabwe. However, it's a dialect of Zulu. You might have heard of Zulu. It's one of the more popular African languages in, from South Africa. And then, uh, of course, English. And then when I came to the US, the first language I learned, because I, I, already, spoke, I already spoke English fluently you know, since Zimbabwe used to be a British colony, so I spoke British English by the time I got to the U.S. So Spanish was the first language I learned. Uh, that was in high school, and then, then it got better as I traveled. I traveled to a lot of uh, Spanish-speaking countries, you know, including Spain, and, uh, and then decided to learn Italian, French, and Portuguese since they were related to Spanish. I figured, well, almost well there, right? Why not? <laughs> exactly. I might as well just push a little bit further. And then, and then I wanted to do something really challenging. So I thought, okay, let me, let me go for Mandarin. <laughs> yeah. It's California. It's handy. Well, so it's kind of like, you know, when you're learning languages and framework, you can understand, but you're going to miss a lot because the brain, like uh, in Latin based languages, the, the adjective comes after the subject, right? It's like a, instead of like, that's a blue bird. Well, in Spanish, it's, a bird blue, right? Exactly. So your brain is waiting for the adjective or the subject based on the framework that you're used to communicating in. Well, it, that's just like a very small metaphor for what you're talking about. So if a nurse's brain, if they're used to working and, and communicating in this framework and the system, well, they're going to, their brain is ready for the next thing that they're going to get, you know, situation, background, let's say, assessment you know so you know what's coming it's like the sponge you put out a new sponge for each thing whereas 
if someone's speaking a Latin and root language and someone's, you know, speaking a Germanic based language, well, you're going to miss the adjective or the subject because the brain's wait, you know, they're coming in a different order. So anyway, that was my, but it's, exactly. it's, it doesn't surprise me that somebody who's so interested in learning languages is seeing this so clearly, you know? Definitely. Thank you. That's a really excellent metaphor uh, that you used, Karen. And then thanks. You, you just know, gave me a dopamine hit. <laughs> you know, so if you're so if you're using the same language or if you're using the same communication method, it's much easier to to notice when something is off because you you're already because if somebody is communicating to you, you're already thinking whether it's explicitly or intuitively. You're already expecting the next the next of information according to that framework mm -hmm. so if somebody misses something it's much more easier to say hey how come you didn't include the assessment how come you didn't include this this part of the recommendation or this part of the background right and so you're more likely to catch those mistakes you're more likely to close those those communication gaps if you're both using the same framework to communicate i'm curious when when you created this because you know, without the framework, handoff communication can get kind of complicated because you don't really like, you know, where are you starting? Are you starting at the top of your nurse brain paper? Are you starting at the bottom? Are you trying to get pull out the most important stuff? You know, like what what is it that you're actually doing? And so one of the things that I think it actually in my own experience in the operating room that was so helpful was like with timeouts, the simplicity of it, right? The checklist. One, two, three, four, five. And so I'm kind of curious about as you develop this, how did what did you have that in mind in terms of how much and you know, across transitions of care, right? Because a report at med surge is going to be very different from a report in the OR. And so how did you, you know, creative creatively, how did that kind of morph or turn into something? Exactly. That's a good point, Andre, as well. So the app. It, it's a multi-specialty app, and so there's different specialties depending on the nurses using them. So, so for example, if I wanted to give a report to a nurse, let's say in the operating room, then then I could go onto the app, pull up the the OR version, the operating room version of it, and then see, okay, this is what Antra would be expecting me to cover. Mm. So, in order for me to give a report that'll that she'll be able to understand more more easily and be able to get started right away with providing the care that she needs. Let me answer these questions, you know, Brilliant. and, uh, you know, I, I was just talking about this the other day, how at my hospital, when I was working inpatient, the, the emergency room would call upstairs to the telemetry to let us know that we were getting an admission, you know? And so usually they would give us their very brief, straight to the point handoff, handoff report. And then we would end up asking, okay, can you tell us about the skin? Can you tell us about this? Can you tell us about that? You know, so so having access to the information that the person that the receiver will need will want that makes it uh, uh, more efficient as well. I think that's brilliant right there is that really understanding what the receiver needs because there can be a lot of report given where it's like I don't I, I don't need that information. This is the information I need. So I I think that's really really brilliant that 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 you had that exactly. There. Mm -hmm. Definitely, and the whole point of, of SR, it's meant to be concise, so it's not meant to be to be long-winded. It's really meant to be concise and straight to the point, while being pertinent, while being relevant to the patient, also being relevant to the receiver. 
And I think that's another piece in healthcare that I learned over time too was, you know, physicians as a charge nurse, you know, you could get on the phone with a physician and I, I tend to talk and I tend to be wordy and they didn't want that. They just wanted the nitty gritty, like, just give it to me straight. One, two, three, and I'm good. You know, and that makes sense, right? They're busy. They got lots going on. They don't need, and it took me a while to really like, hone that practice of being concise and just saying what I needed to say. And I think that is also a brilliant piece in nurse brain because it will teach you, right? If, if, if you have it in front of you, you don't need to go off on a tangent. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so take us from idea, research, learn to code, create the sucker, And then like, where is it at now? What are the capabilities it has that you didn't even expect it would? What's it look like in practice? Like, can you give us a little illustration of what it's like to use NurseBrain? And and also tell us kind of what it looks like in different, you know, care, in different care silos, you know, what does it look like in the OR compared to the ER or, you know? Yeah, just riff. Exactly. Off you go. <laughs> so right now, NurseBrain is available on three platforms. It's available for iPhones or iOS, including iPads. It's available on Android, and it's also available online on the web. So any browser-enabled device that includes computers, laptops, even cell phones can access NurseBrain. We currently have over 10,000 active users. Currently, uh, we've awesome. launched within the thank you we, la- we launched last year in april so we're still about four months shy of our anniversary so we're really excited at the growth that we've we've been receiving there is uh, there's so right now we currently have seven specialties we have some are very closely related for example we have antipartum we have gynecology we, we have postpartum then we have psychiatry medsage slash tele we have icu and we have pediatrics so of course we're we're constantly working on any more specialties, such as labor and delivery, emergency room, operating room, pediatric ICU, neonatal ICU as well. But the, the app right now is being widely used within the specialties that we have. One surprising specialty that I was not really anticipating was um, nurses in long-term care, like nursing homes and, and rehab centers. So, so I, I was... so. Ideally, you know, I was expecting that maybe a nurse would have maybe four to six patients. So one time I was just checking the stats of the app, and then I realized that there was a nurse who had over 50 patients. I was like, huh, you know, this, this is not an inpatient uh, nurse. It must be an, an, an outpatient uh, nurse. And so, and so, I, and so I, I was able to, to get in touch with that nurse. So, so it, it really showed me that Nurse brain is really applicable to any environment, to any care setting where the transition of patient care is involved. Any setting where the patient needs to be handed over from one provider, one nurse, uh, to the next nurse. Samu, I'm wondering, are you collecting data, kind of, or can you collect data on, you know, effectiveness and, you know, because I'm just curious, like, if you can show that you're preventing you know, poor outcomes or medical error. And I don't know if that's more qualitative, like, you know, anecdotal from your, your users, or if that's um, something that they... I'm just- yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And answer, if, if you will, do what, do what you want. 
my suggestion is, can you answer Andre's question in a way that shows how if two nurses are using nurse brain, what a handoff looks like with nurse brain from one nurse to another, rather than two nurses using their own unique styles of, you know, manual paper brains. And because right. because I want you to illustrate, because I think any nurse listening to this can, as I did, as Andre and I did when we first spoke to you, just to envision this, you can see, oh my gosh, that's so much easier. Oh my gosh, that makes so much more sense. And it'll kind of answer the question, Andre, you know, because we know it's going to reduce medical error. We know it's going to improve, you know, communication. But knowing that is not, you have right. to have to We know it's going to, and I want people to hear what you have to say and see it, and then how you're going to capture the data if you are. Definitely, definitely. So, is that okay, yeah, so, Andre? Yeah. <laughs> so, definitely. So, based on the research, we know that it's going to work since SFAR has already been proven to work and this app primarily uses SFAR as the communication framework. It standardizes the communication during handoffs. So how, do, how does the handoff look like? So let's say I'm the nurse uh, who's been on duty, I've been working for the last 12 hours, I have four patients and then Andrew comes in. So I'm giving her a report. And so she also happens to have a nursing app just like as, as I do. So then I would uh, go ahead and uh, I would then, so at, at this point, I already have all the information prepared to give a good handoff to Antra. So when she comes in, I will then generate a QR code from the phone. Okay. And then, so the app will create a QR code, which then Antra will scan. So this QR code, it contains all the information for the patients that, that I'll be handing over to her. And so when she scans the QR code, she'll instantly have my identical report sheet on all the information that I wrote down in regards to the patients that I'm handing over to her. So this is advantageous because now Antra does not have to uh, worry about writing and listening at the same time. Okay, now she already has information that I have. Uh, we're looking at the same information, we're referring to the same identical information. So the clarity is much better. Okay, and then also since she already has information written down, she doesn't have to go back to go back to the computer and start looking up more information or, or adding more information. If my report was if the quality of the report was good enough, and, and the quality of the report, if you follow the S part, it will be it, it'll be thorough. Um, you know, I, I remember I, I used nurse brain personally while I was at work, and the the, the thoroughness of my of my handovers it, it was it was I mean it was significant. You know, I felt more confident giving a report to the next nurse because I knew that everything that that they want to know that they will need to know about this patient in order to maintain that continuity of care. I was confident. I felt confident that I had the information covered, and and so and so Andrew too will also have that same confidence as well and. Just like we talked about earlier, because we're both using the same system, we're both using SFAR, and she's looking at my, the information that, that I just instantly transferred into her app, she can also notice if there's something off. You know, she'll notice, uh, okay, you know, why does this feel drunk? Why is this part of the situation missing? Why isn't the physician's name here? Or, mm. you know, why is this alert not there? You know, why is the background, why is this information missing? Why is this part of the assessment not documented? Right. So then, so then she'll be able to quickly assess the quality 
of my report. Now, as we know, sometimes there are some nurses uh, whose quality of reports is not as up to par. And so unfortunately, there are some times that we do have to go back to the computer and look up the additional information. But it's less likely, this is less likely to happen by following the standardized system, the SBAR system that's in place. Also, Antrim will be able to quickly ascertain whether this information is good enough for her to say, okay, makes sense, thank you, and then get started with, with what she has to do. Also, the, the nurse brain app, it has the, for nurses who do not, let's say Antrim do not have a nurse brain app, then I could print out PDF or a piece of paper that has all the information for her patient. So that way, uh, even if she doesn't have the app, she can still look at what I wrote down. And then if it makes sense to her and she, uh, she finds information to be, to be valid, then she can go ahead and hit the ground running rather than having to go and gather some more information. Um, even with the app, if there's something that's, that's off the app, the information that I import into Antra's app, she's able to edit that information. It's not permanent. Okay, so there's something that has changed. Maybe a lab has changed since the last time it was entered in. She can also quickly update that too as well. It seems like that's the perfect way. You know, you have this QR code, so there's actually a paper trail. And it seems like that's the, that's the way to collect data. And I'm sure you could, you know, extract whatever you wanted to because you've got it all from one phone to the next. So what do hospitals think of this if you have 10,000 users? Cause you know, it's been a while since I've been on the floor. And I know that by the time I left bedside nursing, nurses were starting to use their phones, you know, before it was kind of taboo. You couldn't even have in the OR, at least you couldn't have your phone in your pocket. But, you know, I, I can imagine that hospitals must be really excited about this. Like, what has your experience been with that? So right now we really haven't reached out to hospitals uh, much just because we're finalizing our integration of Nurse Brain with, uh, with the hospital EMRs, whether it's uh, Allscripts, uh, Epic, Cerner. So that's what we're finalizing, finalizing at this moment. So is it um, meant for nurses to use their phones on the floor anyway? So it really doesn't matter that they don't know? It really varies from hospital to hospital, department to department. I've had, I've had nurses tell me that they, they've asked for permission from their managers specifically and their managers say it was okay to use the app. So, so it just really varies on, on the hospital policy. What, what we, we try to do, what we aim to do is to, is to really highlight the benefits of nurse spring. And, and, and also one really important thing too as well with all hospitals and with all data, patient data especially, is we want, we want to make sure that we maintain the privacy the security of that information. So with NurseBrain, it doesn't collect any PHI, any protected health information. So there's no names, there's no age. Well, well, for the age, it's actually okay to collect the age, but anything above age 89, it does not collect. So if you have a patient who's 92 and you put 92, NurseBrain will automatically change that number and it'll say patient who's 89 and over, right? So, I mean, we're, we're, we're really attentive to making sure that we do not collect any information that, that's going to be compromising. So there's no social security, there's no addresses, there's no phone numbers, etc. So there's 18 PHIs that we do not collect, uh, therefore making the app compliant with that. And we really, as soon as you open the app, that's one of the first things that you see, just, just to let nurses know that this is, uh, 
this this is our our commitment to compliance and this information that we are not collecting and this information that we do not want you to enter into the, to the app. That was very um, forward thinking, I, I think, of, yeah. you that, of you to do that, to, to make sure that base was covered. Because you know, once this is something that's hospital wide, they're going to want to know right off the bat that that's protected. So that's cool. Yeah. Exactly. I, speaking of I forward thinking, there you, you told us about a feature. I don't know if it's coming or already in there, how nurse brain when you get a critical lab value like tell us about some things that are coming because just as a teaser spoiler alert we had a the first time Andre and i spoke with you we told you about a podcast guest we had on who's a friend of ours brad schwartz who is a victim of medical error and started greater national patient advocates but was severely injured from a medical error because they kept missing a critical lab value. He kept, you know, poor communication well, because they were saying that, you know, the reason he was having his symptoms was because he had been in a wine tasting. And then 12 hours later, those were still his symptoms, even though they're getting worse. Go on. Well, I was going to say not only that, but it was right around shift, change of shift. So the labs mm. were critical, but because they were thinking he was hungover and it was busy and there was change of shift. Nobody looked at the labs. Turns out he was septic. And yeah. so, and I was so excited because yeah. you, you, you tell what's coming and how that's going to save lives. <laughs> most, most definitely. So once the integration is completed between nurse brain and the EHRs, the HR vendors that the hospitals use, the information will be able to be synced at this point. It will be synced one way. It will be synced from the EHR going to the app. Right now, we're not planning on, on pushing information from the app to the EHR. So, so what, what this means is that, for example, with the labs, as soon as there's a lab value that's out of range, whether it's a critical lab, that information will automatically instantly appear into the nurse brain app because it's connected to the EHR in real time. Okay, and what separates us from, from EHRs is that, for example, I would have to be logged in to, to an EHR vendor in order to notice that there's a lab that's off. But if, if, I, if I have nurse brain on my cell phone, I can receive a tangible notification, whether it's a loud noise, vibration, or you know, I can see and hear that there's something that needs my attention and then I can quickly address it. Also, by being able to instantly receive information in real time, regarding diagnostic results, such as, you know, x-rays, labs, etc., there, there's less time spent with the lab having to call the nursing station, asking for the nurse who's in charge of patient uh, Sarah, right? And then, and then, and then, you know, and then the, how it works right now, it's not really as efficient. So the level call upstairs, they'll reach the nursing station, whoever answers is whom they'll talk to. They'll ask who's the nurse for this patient. And usually the nurse that answers is not the nurse for that patient. So now they have to put the lab on hold. Now they have to go searching for uh, the nurse who's in charge of that patient. You know, they're going to go room by room or maybe yelling for, for the nurse in charge just to have the nurse say, hey, I'm busy. Can you actually write it down for me? Now the nurse has to go back, you know, answer to the phone and just let them know that, okay, the nurse is not, is not available right now, but I can go ahead and, and take that message. Whereas with nurse brain, uh, with the integration to the EHR, as soon as the lab is resulted, before the lab even has time to call the nursing station, the nurse has already received an alert 
that you know that there's something off that needs their attention. But whether the nurse is providing care to a patient actively, whether they're in the bathroom on a bathroom break, or whether they're in the supply room, right? Uh, they instantly know that something needs to be done. So this this can really save time, make the process more efficient, rather than this yeah. back and forth. Uh, yeah. and, and I was just thinking. I was just thinking about the efficiency factor of that and how that's so much more streamlined than, oh my gosh, I got to answer the phone, but I'm doing like that. Yeah. And what if there is a critical lab value, like a really low potassium or a really high whatever. And the nurse who took the message got busy herself and then forgot to give the nurse the message. And then, then you have a huge, you know, heart arrhythmia or something like that. Cause never caught, you know, it was just not communicated. Not exactly, exactly. You know, and this is not just some exciting feature. This is something that's a real problem. In fact, the Joint Commission, for the last two to three years, the number two national patient safety goal has been to improve communication. But in the last two years, they've, they've specified that they want to improve communication, especially regarding the how quickly information, how quickly diagnostic information is acted upon. So, so, so this example specifically of being able to act upon critical lab results is something that the National, that the Joint Commission is specifically looking at. They've been looking at this for the last two years, even for 20, 2022, it's still a goal that they have. It's the, it's the number two goal out of, I believe they have 10 goals, it's the number two goal still. I love how, how much research you've done and how you can really speak to why this is the better way to do handoffs and reporting. Yeah. And super cool because we talk to a lot of people and, you know, they may have done the research and done the deep dive, but you're speaking to it. Like you have like problem solution, baby, Yeah, problem <laughs> solution, which is going to be, I think, so helpful for you that you've done all that legwork. Cause I mean that, you know, in my mind, that's what hospitals and, you know, the, the system wants is they want that evidence-based practice to support whatever it is they're, you know, and yeah. doing. So yeah. yeah good you. And speaking of evidence, you've clearly laid out problem solution. How about illustration? Can you tell us about some of the feedback you've gotten or uh, some, you know, some big wins that you've seen or either your company or what your, you know, this venture is or individual who individuals who have been using nurse brain have said. So the feedback so far, it's been mostly based on uh, nurses reviews. Currently on the Google Play Store, we have an average rating of 4.5. On there, I, one, one review that stands out to me is a nurse who say this is the, the, the best, uh, what's the device called for planners? You know, um, back in the day, there was a- Franklin Covey. Like a PDA, PDA, you, you know, oh, how, yeah. you know the, like, like they had blackberries and palm pilots. Yeah, so oh, this right. one, <laughs> yeah, so she was, this is the best nurse, uh, nurse PDA that, you know, that's, that's, that's out there. And then we've also received uh, several five-star reviews as well, talking about the app. Right now we're looking into applying to, applying for some awards in order to, to start getting a little bit more formal recognition of uh, the effort that we're doing. So we're looking forward to getting some positive results. Have you spoken the, like personally to any users? Like had, you know, feedback discussions or anything like that? Not necessarily discussions. It's been usually through 
through email if they have a question about how to use a certain feature or if they have a suggestion, but not, not so much um, like having a one-on-one back and forth I- as, as, as far as I know. But it, it is something that we, we do encourage. I, yeah. I love hearing from the people who, who use the app yeah. because it, you know, exactly. it, it makes me know that, you know, what I'm doing is, is, is worthwhile, that, that mm-hmm. it's helping people. Yeah, it's, it's, especially since we're still pre-revenue, uh, we, we haven't uh, made a single penny from this app. So, How will you? How we're, we're exploring that. Definitely with the integration into the hospital systems, uh, that, would be, mm-hmm. that would be a source of, of, of revenue as well. Mm-hmm. That's the, the, I think that's the main, the main uh, course of, of revenue that we're looking at. Yeah, we're, and then maybe as from, from a consumer level, from nurses who are using the app in a manner that's not um, like affiliated with the hospital in, in the sense that it's not the hospital providing the app, but they just went and downloaded the app themselves. We are thinking of uh, really some really, really cool features, uh, maybe at a small premium, like some mm-hmm. customization features, for example, yeah. to, to have your own wallpaper or your own like color scheme. There is a... There is another feature too that I'm really excited about. I don't know if I should mention it, <laughs> but I'm, I'm oh. really excited about. Well, I'm so excited now! Come on. <laughs> All right, we well, won't tell anyone. I promise. <laughs> it's a secret. Uh, you, you know, I guess this will be a Nurse Renegade exclusive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, what I've been thinking of doing for the past year, I've, I've been waiting to get to it, but I'm pretty close. We're actually going to be launching a watch version, like an iWatch version, oh. for for the for the app. So for the so Uber able, savvy, <laughs> exactly. So so you'll be able to give report while looking at your wrist, rather than having you know this bulky clipboard that you have to carry around. Yeah, that'll be really efficient, and then you'll be able to see your notifications from your watch, see the reminders, quickly get the information that you need in a more mobile way you know i like one one uh negative effect of having like a clipboard or you know piece of paper is that often i would go into a pigeon swim and then, and then i would struggle to find a clean place to put my clipboard you know and now i'm not having this mental session going on you know i'm wondering okay do i put it on the computer wait wasn't there another nurse who was who who had a urinal on the computer yeah. or they were giving a blood transfusion and they used the, the computer as a base you know and then i'm like okay do I put it on the table and then do i just try to put it into my pocket right you know is especially now with the pandemic and the pressures that nurses are facing you know like we don't really need to have those extra cognitive calculations you know that for, for things that are simple like okay where do i put this you know where do i put my clipboard but to 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 have it go with you on your wrist you know if you get a notification let's say there, there's a lab value that's out of range you know you just look at your wrist okay you know you say okay i i, I you know this this just came in when you're giving a report you, you can look look at your wrist it's almost hands-free i think that'll be a, that'll be something that's that's pretty you know that's definitely for the I, 36 and under i know you're 33 no. but that's <laughs> like like that just makes like, I threw my watch. I I couldn't get rid of my iWatch fast enough. It kept telling me what to do and making me feel insecure. <laughs> well, um, you know what, Samu, I love so much like 
how you like in terms of innovation and in terms of like starting your own company and you know you're you're young and and what I love is that like you're gonna have demonstrated success like you are using this it's made by a nurse for a nurse right like you're not slipping this yet to hospital systems or tech companies or anything right you're like getting in the weeds with the nurses and I love that because you're going to be able to like show this to these systems and say look we already know this works because we have you know 10,000 20,000 however many you know you get before you start you know, doing some of the bigger, bigger things because really like standard of care, like it is the standard of care to give a thorough handoff report, period. Like that's just the standard. That isn't even, oh my gosh, I got a, you know, lab value that's out of range on my watch, right? Yeah. That, just the standard of care. So you're going to have demonstrated proof. Like, I just think that's brilliant. Like, exactly. so Thank you, Andrea. That's uh, that, that's very accurate, and uh, thank you for the compliment. You know, I'm not the first person to have this idea of a digital uh, nursing brain or a digital report sheet. You know, other companies, other apps have tried as early as 20, 2013. If I'm correct, there's about seven or eight other apps who've tried and have not been successful. Some apps are still in existence, but they have they have not been updated since 2020. Some since 2015. Okay, well, so that's that's the thing I want to hit because this will bring this mm -hmm. conversation back around is to me, what you're saying is that there's already been this idea. It hasn't worked out and you got to ask yourself why. Like, you know, this is a nurse led, nurse created company to make things better, to decrease medical error, to increase communication among, you know, so that our patients get the best care, at least the standard of care. And yet nobody has gone, nobody has taken this and run with it. Like, or somebody hasn't, you know, in those higher levels, the healthcare system, the hospital, whatever, hasn't said, oh my gosh, this is brilliant. And it's going to reduce medical error. And why, why is that? Like, to me, it almost sounds like, you know, we nurses are innovators. We're, you know, we're MacGyvers. We know how to problem solve. We know how to fix things. We know how to multitask, like, right. So these ideas come to us and they really should have an effect on healthcare for the better. And yet still, you, you know, exactly. the idea has been there. So why do you think that is? You know, I, I think that there's many factors involved. Um, I think one, a uh, big factor is uh, maybe the, the usage of, uh, of cell phones um, at the workplace or, or at the hospital uh, was more taboo back then. I know there's, there are some places that still don't really appreciate the value of using your phone, mm -hmm. uh, which, is why, which is why I created the web version of the app. You can still do everything that you can on the mobile version, but just going on your nursing station computer or the computer inside the patient's room and you can you can still gather the the report you, you can still mm -hmm. you know put your tasks etc et you can still organize your patients from a computer there's no there's there's no phone necessary uh, but see that's to, that pull right of like the old way the old nurse older nurses who don't want to let go of the way they've always done it right and then this push for the new because i'm i'm telling you i'm almost 100 percent certain that anybody under the age of 30 
would much rather do what you're doing than to have some piece of paper they're flinging around. But you see that in the nursing world so much. And I wonder how often that trips us up from really pushing the envelope into more innovative spaces, because it's this like this push and pull between, you know, the old battle axes and the young, you know, nurses who really like know how to use this technology seamlessly. Right. So we're, it's almost feels like within our own profession, we get tripped up because we're not willing to push the envelope. We don't want to, you know, ruffle the feathers of the old guard. Definitely. Definitely. And then also I think the other challenge too, as well, that stifled the growth of these other companies and perhaps even the innovation of these other companies was the ability to not only solicit the feedback of its users, of the nurses, but to also quickly act upon it. And so fortunately, me being able to code, uh, you know, as soon as I hear some feedback from, from a nurse, I can, the same day, I can go start coding to fix that issue. And then yeah. usually within a week, I have an update out, yeah. right? And so unfortunately, most nurses are not also engineers. You know, and then the, the cost of building an app are really expensive. The yeah. app is maybe 80 to 200 K. And then that's just to build an app. And then you, you have to factor in the cost to, to maintain the app. And, and then there's back and forth between the nurse and the, and the developer, mm-hmm. you know, and then they say, is this okay? And you're like, no, it's not okay. Can you do this? You know, and so I'm really fortunate to be able to move quickly. There's some, if I, once I receive the feedback, I'm able to 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 build upon that that it's like real time response yeah that's amazing you're the one man band <laughs> love it yeah currently <laughs> yeah that's yeah. awesome so and uh, go ahead if, if I could just just add one more thing the other add as many as you want uh, thank you thank you if I could just uh, another thing that re- that I realized when I was com- looking at these apps that came before me is that a lot of these apps right before they stopped updating their apps, uh, they began charging the, the users, you know? And so, you know, that, that indicates to me that maybe they were running out of finances, so they had to quickly start getting revenue in order to, to keep that up as, as, as well. But, you know, but it, it, it really came as a warning uh, to myself that, you know what, I'm, I'm not really concerned about the money that, that I could make. I want to make something that nurses are going to love. I want to make something that nurses are going to appreciate. You know, that to me is more meaningful to know that, you know, a nurse in his or her right mind decided, decided to go to the Play Store in, in their own free will, download the app and use it to actually make a difference in, in their patient lives. You know, so. That, you know, you just, you just answered in my next, my next and last question. I mean, if you want, unless you want to add something else, but just to bring it full circle, you know, we asked in the very beginning, what made everything different from one day to the next? And you talked about your grandmother and, mm-hmm. and how ironic and frustrating it was that now you had all these skills and you couldn't do anything to help and how you took that frustration into your love and your care of the people you served. And this whole time, it has never seemed like, oh, I had a great idea and I wanted to make a buttload of money. So I just, you know, whatever. It's yeah. always that is the under, has felt like the underpinning um, ethos of what you've created because yeah. it, it will, it's what you would want for your family. You know, the, you said, I, I will teach, treat my patients 
like my family members and I want my family members to have the best handoffs and the best care. So they're the safest as possible. And this whole time you've been talking it's you've yeah. just uh, kind of oozed that you sentiment. You I know. Go. Yeah. yeah, you do. You ooze this good heartedness like this. Just, I love it. It's so warm and connecting and like you're off doing these innovative tech things. If nurses are listening to this podcast, want to know more and want to sign up and how do they find you? What do they, you know, how do they get, get nurse brain? So they can go online to nursebrain.com and then it'll have all the information about the app and some demonstrations about the app and then also links to the various app stores that they can download the app, whether they have Android or whether they have uh, iOS. So that's how they can get information. We're also on social media. Our handle is uh, my nurse brain. So that's on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, just Instagram.com slash my nurse brain. So that's how they can find this. I'm glad I stalked you on LinkedIn. I yeah. Knew. I knew you were going to be a good one. Yeah, will you be our friend? Yeah. Of course, of course, definitely, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Uh, thank you so much for for having me on this podcast. Yeah. Um, it, it's a real honor uh, the way you guys do the podcast and how you tie to learning. That's really innovative. And, uh, and also just giving me the opportunity to showcase the work that I'm doing. All right. Well, enjoy, everybody. Yep, Please enjoy. Uh, give us your comments and feedback and uh, let us know what you think about Nurse Brain. Bye. Cool. Bye. Renegades.